Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, October 28th, your daily dose of Flyers news analysis and high quality content that is kind of shocked how well the Flyers did in that third period last night. Yeah, I thought my eyes were deceiving me, but they weren't. Yeah, definitely a good result. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. Keep up to date on all our episodes, Flyers news, lots of fun stuff. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. You can find Russ Cohen, who's with me today on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we're going to talk about last night's Flyers vs. Oilers game, uh, get into a preview of tonight's game, the back half of the back-to-back versus the Vancouver Canucks, and then do our Thursday prospect profile with Noah Cates. Lockdown Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. Hit that subscribe button and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Lockdown Sports Network. All right, Russ, so real quickly before we get into last night's game, just a brief update on the Blackhawks situation. Of course, yesterday, uh, Rick Westhead of TSN, who's been the lead reporter in all of this uh, over the past few months, uh, interviewed Kyle Beach, who is John Doe in that report he talked about you know his reaction to the report what he's been going through it's a gut-wrenching interview uh definitely seek it out but with caution i would say because of the seriousness of the content following up on it today gary bettman is meeting with joel quenville who coached last night kind of shocking yeah that that shouldn't have happened it it shouldn't have not at all. And then Kevin Jeveldayoff, who's with the Jets, is meeting with Batman on Monday. We'll see what comes with that. Uh, for more information, obviously head to Locked On NHL and Locked On Blackhawks, who are covering this pretty extensively. And if you're feeling like you need to do something, donate to a sexual assault survivor support charity in your area, or Rain is another great organization. We'll link to them in the show notes. Hey, the only thing I wanted to mention about Beach is, you know, he's a guy I tracked pretty closely as a prospect and always kind of wondered, why didn't he make it? And I was always asked. He was maybe one of the number one questions that was always asked, why didn't he make it? And not knowing any of this, you know, you just kind of look at it and say, well, maybe he wasn't fast enough. He was a good scorer in juniors. He was big. He could get to the net. He had good hands. He did have some injuries, so maybe it was the injuries. And then you find out there was all this he had to overcome, too. And and that's what probably makes me feel even worse. I feel for all the survivors, believe me. But only because there's a little bit of a connection there because I covered it and him at, at his draft and everything else. It really kind of hit me. Yeah, I, I think it hit all of us. And just sending our, our love and support out to him. Getting to the game last night, the Flyers won. I'm still kind of surprised about it, to be honest, just given the firepower of Edmonton. You know, we talked about it on yesterday's show. There's going to be a lot of things the Flyers needed to do to win this game. And they were able to do, I would say, most of them (laughs) over the course of the game. 
And I think, you know, for me, the key takeaways for the Flyers is that, and, and what allowed them to win this game was that they didn't give up. They really, you know, tightened things in the third period and got back to what makes them successful. And they had a much better forecheck in this game. They had lots of setups going from behind the net, which is one of my favorite ways that the Flyers have been able to score goals over the last couple of years. So I really think that was the biggest difference. Yeah, um, I saw some, you know, some really spirited play at the beginning and end end of periods, which was great. That's something you don't always see out of this team. They did start out of the gate really well. It was a game that did go back and forth. You could say there definitely were some um, defensive gaffes, um, but they kept coming back and they really didn't take the real bad dumb penalties. They kept McDavid in check as much as you can keep McDavid in check. And yeah, it was, it was a very unexpected effort not because we didn't think they had it in them, but because without Ellis, I was kind of thinking Tippett would either take advantage of the bottom pairing or maybe he'll just go with the top pairing thinking they could beat Proveroff and Braun. And it seemed like, and again, my eyes were a little tired, it seemed like he went against the top pairing a lot. And, you know, they did just enough. They did. I agree with you there. And again, you know, McDavid only scored on the power play. He had a goal and an assist in the game and definitely could have had more. I think Uh, Carter Hart made a couple of really good saves against him and they were able to force him outside a little bit a couple of times. But I will say that for the portion of the game that the Oilers were in control of for part of the first and most of the second, I felt like they were able to maneuver almost at will in the slot area. Oh, yeah. Which is really tough to defend. And that's where you saw all those chances from Hyman and McDavid and and Dreisaitl. And it was kind of a mess. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but, you know, we knew it was going to be a skew because that's how much Ellis means to this team. And that's how their defense kind of rolls right now because they need that other part with Provorov. And let's face it. The second pairing, I still have questions about. There were a couple of dicey moments there uh, with the second pairing. But I think the other thing that stood out a lot, obviously, which a lot of people were talking about, was how many block shots the Flyers had. I think it was 26, which is a good thing and a bad thing because keeping pucks from getting to the net is never a terrible thing, but they were allowing a ton of shots, <laughs> you know, like yeah. the stats on the Oilers side are a little skewed just because the Flyers blocked a lot of them. Well, if I give away too much here, then I can't talk about my favorite highlight of the game, but block shots are a key thing in this game. And they did what at one point they had, I want to say it was the second period. I think I heard 13 block shots. So I don't know what they ended up with, but it was a lot. It was, but it was a real good effort, including, Poor Rasmus Ristolainen getting hit in the face on his birthday by Dreisaitl, whose birthday it was also, which I thought was kind of funny. That is weird, yeah. Yeah, I think Risto is a year older. Kind of funny that those two have the same birthday. Uh, what was your highlight of the game? Uh, Oscar Lindblom taking that block. Uh, not since Ian LaPerrier taking it to the face that I cringe as much on as, as on that. Uh, Evan Bouchard shoots well over 100. I think I saw maybe like 110 one time. And he took the whole power of that. And man, he went to the bench and he was hurting. You know, that third line actually looked really good 
in this yeah. game overall. I think Lawton stood out the most. Uh, he led the team with seven shots on goal, but five of them were actual scoring chances. Three were high danger. So, you know, he's doing the work and he's putting himself in a good position. Now I have to ask you, did you get a Patrick Thorison, um flashback? Because I did. And I can give you a funny story. A little bit. A little bit. Okay. That's funny. And I could give you a story about it. So um, a friend of mine, Shane Malloy, does the um, ratings we, for um, EA Sports for the players, for like NHL, whatever, we're up to 22, whatever. And back then, you know, he was doing it and we were both doing a radio show together. And after Thorison made that block, he said, he, he told me, he said, listen, I'm going to be upping his toughness level and I want you to tell him. And I did. And Thorison smiled when I told him. <laughs> so that moment nice. of blocking that shot, you know where, actually made him a better player on the video game. Before we wrap up our discussion about last night's game and look ahead to tonight's game, I got to talk about one of my favorite websites out there, Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever. They've got a new web interface for the start of basketball season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, the NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, Russ, so we talked about your highlight of the game, and mine has to be the Cam Atkinson buzzer beater in the first period. The skill that it took to just settle the puck enough off his foot to get the shot off before the clock ran out, uh, I, I just love watching him out there. Well, I mean, if they didn't have Cam Atkinson this season, he's definitely been personally responsible for at least two wins already. So that's pretty massive. And no way they'd have won this game without him. Because the third period goal no. was pretty impressive, too. It's so delightful watching him out there. And he brings a lot of good energy to the team as well, which I think you know helps spur them on as a whole. So what, what an ad for this season. Yeah, you just hope he doesn't get hurt. That's the only thing with Atkinson, because that's the only thing that could slow him down. That's the only thing that's ever slowed him down. Yeah, he scored in all five games so far this season, so hopefully that streak continues. So you expect them to have 90 points this year, is that what you're saying? Well, you know, <laughs> a girl can dream, right? Yes. Uh, Drew, not too shabby. He's got points in all five games and four goals so far this season. So uh, I love that for him as well. And I think that you know he's really leading the way out there. He is, and he's capable of getting 82 points or more because he's done it before. So if we see Claude Giroux do that, that's the best case and the worst case scenario for the Flyers because then that means it's going to cost them more money. That's a, a good point, but I, honestly, Claude Giroux, you pay, pay him whatever he wants. I, he's the one guy where I'm like, negotiations go out the window, you know? Yeah, yeah. If, they, if he's playing like this, they're going to. There's no question about it. If he has a season like this, they might even have to give him five years. So 
that's fine. Then I think there's no other question about it. Like you have to just do it. So does that mean they'll have to, you know, get rid of somebody else? It might mean that at some point, but you have to do it. Kind of looking toward tonight's game versus the Canucks. I think that one aspect of the game that was pretty obvious and you alluded to it was that missing Ryan Ellis made a huge difference in Ivan Provorov's game. Oh, yeah. I thought. And it was very clear that Provy was is better with Ryan Ellis out there and he really missed him. And so I'm hoping he'll be back in the lineup, but we don't know as of recording what's going on there. And so other than hoping Ellis can come back, like what is your key thing that the Flyers have to do tonight? Well, we don't know who's going to be in net. They've had good success against Halak, but I, I'm i going to guess it's probably going to be Demko, who they've had a trouble solving. And the reason they've had trouble solving Demko is his size. He really covers up a lot and makes himself look big as you get closer to the net. So scoring down low becomes very hard against Thatcher Demko because he's got really good core. And so you have to sort of pick the corners with him. He's got a good glove. So... We'll see, because I think he beat him last game, right? At the first, the first time they matched up this year. Yep, that was the shootout loss. Right, and so you want to try and you know do something a little different that way. Um, other than that, you know you have to watch out for some of their greasiness with guys like Bo Horvat. I don't know, he's another guy that does seem to solve the Flyers a little bit, but he solves a lot of teams just because he he plays greasy, he plays hard in the corners, he plays hard in the crease. So that's another one where if Ellis isn't there, you do wonder what's the crease sort of going to be looking like um, for for the Canucks. So and JT Miller is another one. Like he he he's played the Flyers a lot, right? When it was with his days with the Rangers, and even that last game, he had a good game. He's really picked up his game, and you got to watch out for him. You watch you watch out for Garland on the power play too. Got a great shot. I mean, the fact that he left Arizona was just terrible for for Coyotes fans because that team doesn't have much. So, you know, those are, the, to me, some of the big keys and Quinn Hughes. I mean, I could talk about Quinn Hughes for a half hour. I mean, he's the fastest guy to 100 goals to start a career, 100 points, sorry, to start a career for, you know, for, for a defenseman. It's, it's tremendous, like con- considering some of the guys that have played the game. But you have to stop him, too, because... There was a point with Quinn Hughes that really got me, um, as good as Sean Couturier is, last game that the Flyers played him, Quinn Hughes had the puck. He was sort of like on the right side of the ice, up near the top. He sort of faked like he was going left, and he basically did edge work and kind of had looked, made Couturier look like he was standing still and went to the right and, and went down and started controlling the puck, and I think he ended up passing the puck. But it was the the display of skating, the stopping, the starting, the edge work, that even gave Couturier problems. And, you know, he's the best defensive forward the Flyers have. Giroux's probably second to him. But the idea is, that's hard to cover. And he could do that on any shift. And then the other thing that sort of makes him different than the rest is he could really dissect what a team is doing on the fly and... Most times he's not skating the puck up the ice. Most of the time he's making a long pass that you're always thinking is incredibly risky, and then it always gets there. And so those kinds of plays you have to watch out for too. 
Yeah, that's a, a really good point. I think given the game last night and just how relentless it was, the Flyers are going to be a little tired. And so what they need to do in order to solve that problem is just play a clean and very simple game, clear out defensively, really focus on breakouts so that they're not in their defensive zone for sustained periods of time. I think that's going to be absolutely key and, you know, keep momentum in their favor, keep as much time as possible in their offensive zone and, you know, again, stay out of the box. Yeah, staying out of the box is the big key. I mean, that's again, and and they have some players that are going to try and get some penalties, and that's what you don't want to get into that game. And we also should say, right now, OEL looks great, so that's another guy that you do have to sort of look out for. I wasn't sure what he had left in the tank early on. He's showing me he's got a lot left in the tank. It's still a long-term deal that they took on, but for tonight's purposes, you know, you're going to deal with a very healthy OEL, and he's going to be a guy that uh, is going to be hard to deal with from an offensive perspective. Yeah, one of the things the Canucks have done pretty decently so far this season, you know, they're 3-3-1, and so not the greatest record, but have had some solid performances is, you know, when they're strong on the forecheck, they are really good, and they combine that with a defense first mentality, which leads to that offense and being able to spring that forecheck really nicely. So I think that's something the Flyers are just going to have to figure out how to solve while they're tired. Now, are we expecting a Zach McEwen uh, revenge game? Because I'm not. (laughs) No. And in fact, the only times I really noticed Zach McEwen last night was when he did something dumb. So, you know, he's fine. He's a fourth line plug, but uh, nothing stood out to me about him in in a particularly great way. No, and I'll tell you somebody who's going to be annoying for them too. Matthew Highmore has literally been this guy that I don't know if anybody would have expected him to, to be starting for the Canucks. He, um, you know, he's 25. It's his, it's his second season with him. He only played 18 games though last year and 24 the year before with the Blackhawks, but he, He's not a point guy, but he does a lot of other little things. And so the fans do love him there. And he is one of those guys that you have to watch out for. And then Chason was a great uh, addition for them because he's that guy. They'll be there in the middle. And we always have to mention Pedersen on the power play. Pedersen's shot is deadly. That's all. Otherwise, you no problem. <laughs> yeah, I, the schedule is interesting this year that we'll have already finished out our season series against the Canucks as of tonight. I know. And it's. It's early days, but uh, I guess that's the way the gods put things together. I mean, if it were me, if it were me, I prefer that as a player to get this. Because this, you know, the Western Canadian swing has not always been kind to the Flyers. We could say that, especially in the the years when they had to face guys like Aginla and Calgary and, and everything else. But to get it out of the way early is a good thing. I think so, too. Yeah, I think they have their other one around New Year's like they used to do all the time. Yeah, that one's always a little tougher, but at least to get this one out of the way and then you don't have to worry about it till then is good. Because then it keeps them more in in the eastern seaboard and that's that's good for them. Yeah, it's better for us, too, in terms of our... Oh, uh, please. I mean, it's always better for us. I mean, (laughs) we have to be selfish. It's the way it is. 
Well, I'm selfishly looking forward to our next segment where we're going to talk about Noah Cates, uh, one of my favorite prospects over the past several years and is in a real interesting situation. So we'll uh, we'll get to that after the break. With the ever increasing numbers and makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket instead. Save tons of time and money by using rockauto.com. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, so we know we can trust them. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. And you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Once again, thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all of your podcasting platforms. We're going to talk about Noah Cates now. He was drafted in the fifth round by the Flyers, 2017, number 137 overall. He is a senior at Minnesota Duluth. He's the captain of that team. And his best year there was 2019-20 with 33 points in 34 games. So far this year in six games played, he's got two goals and three assists. Uh, Minnesota Duluth lost in the semis of the Frozen Four last year, which I think is partially one of the reasons why he went back for his senior year, uh, wanted to to have one more shot at the national championship because he has not yet signed with the Philadelphia Flyers. So that window, that three-year window has expired. So he can technically go anywhere after this year, similar to what Wyatt Kalnick did, who left and signed with Chicago. He also was on Team USA's World Junior Team in 2019. So tell, tell us more about Noah Cates. Yeah, Cates is an interesting one. I remember first writing about him when I went to USHL Fall Classic when he was in it. Yeah, a lot of times the Flyers will draft guys and you don't really know them, especially guys that they draft either out of high school or maybe played, you know, first year in USHL. And maybe if I went to that tournament and I didn't see him, uh, they, you know, they start the season a little later, or sometimes they're playing high school and USHL at the same time. Whatever the case, uh, Cates, I started focusing in on at, at that fall classic, and I saw some good things right away. And of course, now we're years down the road where, you know, he's a national champion. He, a couple of years ago, he actually, they asked him, they put him in like a shutdown role and he played that great, even though he has really good offensive ability. So his two-way game has really come a long way because of that. So he's really a well-rounded guy. Like that's something where you're never looking at Noah Cates and saying, yeah, he's going to be like a a superstar top six guy. No, no, no. He's probably a third line guy, but the idea is he could be a really valuable one. Now he could play left wing or center. 
He's really good at both. He'll look at the Flyers, and the fact that they have his brother there is a lore, and, and that could be the ultimate lore, but who knows? Usually players look for opportunity too, so that's where it's going to get a little dicey because, like, Tanner Lasinski's there. So, you know, he and his eight, you know, his, his handler uh, representative, because you can't say agent yet because, you know, he's a college athlete. Uh, they'll look over the field, look what other teams needs are and also look at the flyers and see what the place might be for him because he's a real hard worker i i don't think he would balk at playing a year in the ahl uh but after that i think he's going to want to look to see what his opportunities are big thing is he's a really clutch goal scorer like already this year he's got a game-winning goal he had a couple last year he's a guy that you want out there late in the game he can make things happen he's a good skater he's got a great hockey iq Really good one-timer. He's not a superstar, though. And I always want to, you know, point that out. He blocks shots. The big thing is, is that because he's such a well-rounded player, you need those guys. And actually, the Flyers need those guys, too. Because they always, you know, players like that has have always had good roles on the Flyers. Like, like Michael Raffle for when he was good. And Pierre-Edward Bellamar when he was good. And... Cates has a little bit more offense than, like, a Bellamar, and probably, eh. I mean, what, there was a year where Raffle scored 20, but I think that was really because he was with Claude Giroux at his peak. But I would still say he's probably a little better than Raffle offensively, too. So he's a guy that they'll try and sign. Chuck Fletcher will, uh, will try and speak Minnesota to him and, and lure him in, whatever that means. Um, I found out that like Minnesota, they had this weird salady thing with cookies, like fudge stripe cookies and whipped cream and a couple of other components. You've ever heard of this? I have not. Yeah, I forget the, the term for it. It was uh, a land of 10,000 dessert salad. And so it's got all of this wackiness in it. Oh, Jello is in it. So it's, it's, it's a whole mixture. But if that's what you need to make to lure him there, then that's what you need to do. One of the things for me about Noah Cates, first off, when Jackson signed, I think that was a big shock that we thought that maybe they would announce Noah's signing. And then when Jackson did, not that Jackson didn't deserve it. I thought that he, you know, has progressed as well and performed really well as an invitee to Flyers camps. But, you know, I I think that hopefully, like you said, that will be the lure that gets Noah to sign here. Cause I think you're right. That kind of well-rounded, you know, can play anywhere you need him to and be successful kind of guy and just do the little things that help your team is one of the best things about Noah and would help the flyers tremendously. Yeah. He's, and he's a good kid. He's good in the room. I'm sure they've had discussions with him. It'll come down to the, uh, that end of the year discussion, but if, it were, if I were them, I would I would make sure. So if that means promising him something, promise him something. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. I, I really hope that Noah does end up signing with the Flyers in this next offseason. Wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing, we saw a little bit of behind-the-scenes action in the Hayes household with Kevin playing basement hockey with 
his nephew, Bo. It is so cute. Um, having actual boards, of course, because they're mm-hmm. fancy. And the thing about this for me is that both of them are using real sticks. It's not mini stick hockey. No. And Bo's stick is obviously cut off and super short, but it's a full-size blade there. So yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah. impressive for the little one. Yeah. I didn't realize Franklin made a set like that. That's cool. We used to just do this stuff in the basement and just ruin the basement. So it's kind of nice now that they actually have boards. And everything else. I think it's great. I love it. Yeah, they look like they're having a great time, which is so good to see. What they don't show you is, you know, when the puck goes over the boards and it starts going through the drywall or, you know, marking up the walls, all of that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's show. I'll be back again tomorrow with a reaction to tonight's game versus the Canucks, a little preview of our weekend matchup against the Flames, and of course, the gritty thing of the week. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers, or you can email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. And I'm Russ, and I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen. Now make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Host Scott Cullen leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all platforms.